Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. I did it again, Taylor. I said my name as if it were uh, <laughs> punctuated with a question mark. <laughs> well, you should. Uh, at least you're going first. There's always like the uh, the anticipation. My name coming. <laughs> So it's, you know, it's, if you were to go second, it'd be like, well, he's unsure of himself. He needs yeah. To- then it's like a big question mark. This is the Todd and Taylor show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, it's that, it's that episode of Rick and Morty where, where uh, Morty and uh, his sister are, are uncertain and they split into different realities. And oh then God. Rick spends the entire time putting it back together. Great episode, by the way. Check that out. Season two, episode one, Rick and Morty. I just, I love that uh, I dipped my toes in the Rick and Morty water. I don't remember if we talked about it after I did that. And then I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this show. And then you just went like full blast, like (laughs) dove into the deep end of the pool yeah, and totally totally left me behind. So I I have not seen that episode. Um, You've got to with that show. You have to dive in. Like there's no way around it. And it's funny too because I dove in when I was sick on the couch for two weeks. And I was just like, man, I've been putting this off. Let me just – I get. let's just just go. And oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. It was, there was a couple compilations, like fan-made compilations on YouTube where people have taken like the 10 most ridiculous moments, the five WTF moments of Rick and Morty, the this, the that. And it's like, yeah. I started watching those and I was just like, this, I've got to watch this. This, the, this. There's too many amazing things happening here for me to just pass this by. Did you That's start the with the uh, transcript from the Georgia courtroom like I did? No, no. Where did I, that came <laughs> along. Oh, you know what? So I watched part of that i was like well that's interesting because I, I i knew the voices a little bit too so i got a little sense of the humor i didn't watch it all the way through then i watched those wtf videos on youtube or the, just the compilations then i started watching i started i didn't even go in order i just started henpecking ones that looked interesting oh, I had to buy them, buy them off amazon as i went now i own the whole the whole thing but like oh jesus they're all on hulu are they all on hulu really i believe so no Sorry. don't even tell me that are they seriously on hulu I'm not really sure, but I think that's where I saw them. Because <laughs> I had canceled my Hulu account like a week before. Oh, yeah. Or I put it on – sorry, I didn't cancel. I put it on like two-month pause. I'm like, I'm not going to need this for a while. Yeah, that's what I do too. Is it really on Hulu? Anyway, um, where was I going with that? And then, and then I watched the, uh, the, court, the brilliant courtroom thing. And if you don't know what we're talking about, at Comic-Con, Dan Harmon – and I always forget the other guy's name who does the voices of Rick and Morty and is the co-creator of the show. Um, no there, is this, there is this court case – and is it Georgia or Alabama? I I want to say it's Georgia only because that's where a lot of those Adult Swim shows are made and FX shows, maybe. Oh, sure. I, I don't know why, but yeah. But then the transcript, I guess, leaked or like a, a while ago. Um, but the it's this court case, which it's it's one of the most absurd things you're ever going to see in court. It's all true. They actually took the script and read it out at a Comic Con um, panel, I believe, and then yes. somebody took that recording. And like basically finish the animation either for them. I forget if it was them or if it was well, a fan even. I don't remember. No, what they showed at Comic-Con was the animatics. They he, they did animatics for the courtroom transcript. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't full animation. It's just still, you know, cartoons flashing back and forth between the voices. And um, oh my God, what is that dude's name? I even looked it up and it didn't pop up. Um, the other I'm, guy? I'm sorry, founder or creator of Rick and Morty. <laughs> uh, well, you did let me look it up. Yeah, so he he actually performed it at Comic Con, and then several weeks later, they went ahead and and fully animated it and put it in color and everything. But um, yeah, Justin th- Royland, by the way, is his name. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. You should look that up. Uh, I believe it's just called Judge Morty now, State of Georgia versus Rick Allen. And son of a bitch, the whole thing's on Hulu. Of course, of I'm course, s- it is. I'm well, so sorry. I own it on Amazon anyway. It was a good investment. I've I've watched each episode at least six times by this point, so it's. Or I've had it on in the background. Like, what's you? But no, it's it's that judge that courtroom thing is hilarious. And then uh, lo and behold, last uh, was it last night or the night before, Adult Swim actually aired season three, episode one. Um, oh boy! Yeah, and it just sort of out of nowhere, it was kind of like an April Fool's joke on one of their other shows, I think, to like keep. The, I, oh, I know what it was. Samurai Jack was coming back, and they kept delaying the airing of Samurai Jack the whole night by airing like the Rick and Morty season three, episode one thing and so the rest of season three doesn't come out until july so oh my god so they were just literally trying to piss off samurai jack fans they were just trolling everybody with it yeah it's <laughs> i love that they kind of like it, it has allowed adult swim to really sort of re-engage their weirdness like you know it's almost like when they started remember back when adult swim ran episodes of family guy 
Um, yeah, that's that's all I think about when I think about Adult Swim is like a bunch of boring cartoons late at night. But but that was like I think ten years ago is when they sort of redid their like branding and everything yeah. to like the more irreverent sort of vice like stuff. And then it's funny that Rick and Morty sort of like really doubles down on that for him. It's like here's this is the logical conclusion of that behavior to have this show. Boy, we really jumped into the deep end on talking about being in the deep end on Rick yeah. and Morty. Anyway, um, well. Well, we have a uh, we have a couple of, of uh, like their network show announcements and stuff. One Wait, of them yeah. I'm going to tag onto the end of this one, which is a new show announcement. But I, I wanted to say up front that um, we are uh, making the exciting transition to numbering the Todd and Taylor show, so it makes some goddamn sense. <laughs> Uh, For those of you unaware, we've been when we've been doing it, it's we've we've cut it up into seasons, and so like the count restarts every season. And we were talking the other day. We're like, hey, um, you know, it's why I'm not sure why that's necessary now. So we're gonna go back and renumber everything, so you can see how many episodes we've done, which is actually quite a few. Yeah, and like, it'll be more interesting, and we can like celebrate the hundredth episode and all this kind of stuff. And it'll it'll be episode zero to wherever we are now. I it Good was all. Everybody. It was all cute until <laughs> we've tried to do uh, like if we ever mention a conversation we've had before, we try to refer back to that episode. And I've noticed the past few conversations we have where I'm like, I don't know, it's somewhere in season two, <laughs> yeah, or maybe three. I can't even remember this that what season we we filed it under anymore. So okay. this is really, although uh, hopefully everyone will enjoy this, it will really help us out because we'll be able to go, yep, in episode number 20, we talked about this. So that will be happening this week with the publication of this here episode that you are listening to right now in your earballs. That's right. But I guess uh, outside of that, what are we talking about today, Todd? What's our topic? Of We're going to talk about ghost in the shell oh we're going there we're doing it yeah i've got so much to say about this uh this this whole franchise um it's exciting so let i i want to start with uh trailers just just as trivial mentions mm -hmm. um i saw the new guardians of the galaxy i had not watched it online i don't even know if it was available until i saw it ahead of ghost in the shell uh it's of course super fun um just like the other two Guardians, like they could just put a trailer out every month and I would be pretty happy with Guardians of the Galaxy. They, they just keep the franchise up with just trailers. Yeah, you wouldn't even um, need to see the movie, just cool yeah. clip stuff and like stuff. Because, yeah, there's always like fun interaction between the characters and... Uh, it's going to uh, be hilarious, by the way, if like Nebula and Gamora, like if Nebula doesn't join the team at all and this is all just like shot for the trailer just to throw people off. Uh, it's just like Nebula's not part of it. Because you always see her as like the, the newest member outside of like, like Yondu. Wait. Um, and you're like, that's weird. But it'd be hilarious if they're like, yeah, um, that's that's not even a real thing. We we fake shot half the show, half the movie. Here it is. Well, that's because uh, I guess there is something in that tr in the new trailer where Drax is like, we're all friends here. And then he looks at Nebula and he's like, except her. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I we do see um Kurt Russell at the end. At he the introduces end. himself as Star-Lord's father, and he looks just like I, I'm I, Ron Rico. <laughs> I wish he had been like, I'm Snake Pilskin, I'm your father. And he had like an oh, so you went, you went but, Snake Pilskin. I went I went Ron Rico. I went a little deeper. Is that uh Captain Ron? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, but yeah, I mean I I was kind of underwhelmed. I, I only note this because you and I have previously talked about what are they going to make him look like? Yeah. And anyway, I um, think they're saving, they're saving that for like the, the there's gotta it, be something. James Gunn said that, that was like, the most expensive digital shot ever produced so far. Oh, okay. That Cause that was the least thrilling part about that trailer. Like who gives a shit? <laughs> No, yeah. nobody watches this movie going, who is Peter's dad? Nobody cares. Well, let me give uh, you let, let me give you a quick little thing to think about. Like this whole the theme of this movie was supposed to be like family. And so imagine like Peter finds movie. his father. Nebula loses her father, you know, like Thanos is her you know, sort of right. father. Like, you know, Nebula rails against her father. And so like to pull Thanos further into the mythology, which they're going to have to start doing moving forward. Otherwise, no one's going to give a shit about Infinity War. They've got to start pulling him further in. I wonder if that's how it's all, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all fits together. Yeah. So uh, then I saw some other trailers that I don't even recall. And there's this one uh, Transformers trailer uh, that I had not seen before where the whole thing is narrated by the, the little Ooh, girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's with Marky Mark. And it's a really very cool way to do it where, you know, I mean, it's just such a cool monologue, but from this girl where she's like, 
oh, they say I fight like a girl and I throw like a girl. And, you know, the whole time it's like cutting to her, like throwing a grenade at a transformer and like running straight up to another transformer. And, you know, then at the end, she's like, yeah, I fight like a girl, you know, and then she says, I'm like, wouldn't you or don't you or something like that. And it's like so cool and powerful. And in my head, I'm like, what a waste because (laughs) (laughs) I don't want Transformers is fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. It was so I'm senseless, like the whole trailer that's going on behind her. Mm. Uh, but I only mention it because whoever that actor is, I want to see the next thing she does. <laughs> totally. Well, she's like the girl from Logan. Like she's yeah, she's, she's of the new generation. She will be like the new Natalie Portman or Scarlett Johansson at some point. We'll look back. Well, and go, a, ah, remember when she was in Transformers? <laughs> what a genius segue you just performed. Yes, Scarlett Johansson. Scarjo. So, uh. I, I thought we'll her. just, uh, I, I'll, um, herself. Sorry. We might as well intro into ghost in the shell with the, uh, whitewashing controversy. Yeah. Um, let's just get that out of the way yeah, right exactly. away. And we for those, don't... well, let's explain what it is. Cause there's pro there might be the, the, the stray listener who's not aware of what this controversy actually is. Yeah. Um, Scarlett Johansson is the lead. <laughs> well, and it's and look, this is the Ghost in the Shell is based on a very popular and classic anime uh, is manga and just anime movie from like ninety uh, ninety five, right? Um, uh, the, yes, the manga is from like ninety one, I think, is when it uh, uh, was published, and then the movie is I want to say ninety six. Damn, why okay. did I not look? It's been up? about twenty years. Give yes, or, it give has. Or take. And the, the, I think the problem is this is a a movie made by Japanese people, or I guess you can say Asian people if it, you know, if it encompasses encompasses more. Made by Asians for Asians with a very Asian centric. Um, like motif in terms of the locations, the the the, you know, the costumes, the the way the world works, and then to take the lead, which was a strong Asian woman, and replace her with Scarlett Johansson has caused a lot of consternation, as you can expect. Um, now that's where my knowledge of it ends. I don't know enough about Major as a character who's the that's the lead. The lead yeah. character. I don't know enough about Major to know if that if the, if the character allows itself for a gender uh, uh, ethnicity change, or if that's just, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, so we um, it's, I'll, I'll intro to a call back to last week or, or our last podcast where we talked about um, iron fist briefly and, and a similar whitewashing controversy there. Mm-hmm. Um, although in that case, the original uh, character, I guess is, is white, but the controversy being like, it's clearly like you're borrowing from Asian and Asian American culture, mm-hmm. you know, w- why not take the opportunity to make this character a little bit more interesting? Mm-hmm. Well, um, especially based on what we got, right? I mean, and, right. And the problem with Iron Fist being that it's just terrible no matter who is in the role. Like, it's just not a good story. It's not well, well done. Finn, Finn Jones drags it down a little bit more, let's yeah. be honest. Like, if they could have picked any any other white person, any other white actor, like James Franco could have made that come alive a little oh bit. My God. You know, it's like, can you imagine? James Franco no, is the Iron I, Fist. I can't imagine that at all. But um, I, so I think, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I agree with James I, Franco. I, I, I don't know where to, where to tiptoe into this, like, uh, controversy with Ghost in the Shell, but I know that one of the things we brought up when we talked about the Marvel series is that um, the all of those series, the reason that those series succeed or fail, I think, is largely based on the, I, I, I'm going to say supporting cast, but they're not even like supporting cast. It's like, um, you know, like Patsy Walker and Luke Cage are basically co-stars in Jessica Jones. And so, and so is uh, Mr. Purple or um, Mr. Purple. David yeah, Tennant's well, character. Yeah. Uh, never, uh, Kilgrave. Kilgrave. I never remember the other name. Um, you know, they are they are all just co-stars. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all the the other characters in the cast are very interesting. And so one of the main problems that we'll talk about as we talk about this is that in the Ghost in the Shell live adaptation of this um the rest of the cast is not as interesting as major. Oh, sure. so both so in, ter- kinda, in, in wait, in terms of their character or the actors playing them or both. They're just, I mean, I would say both, but you know, it's like, uh, they would be great ghostbusters if they were given great ghost busting to do. That's I a, see. Okay. A Saturday night live reference, but, um, they, they just don't like, they aren't given great roles to play. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the cast is, is, uh, multi-ethnic and 
it's like they could have maybe minimized the whitewashing controversy if they had actually written those characters not only into the story a little bit more but just given them you know some dimensions um, sure sure so but i but i have a theory on this and this is why um i you know i don't i don't want to fall too down like like too far down a a stupid rabbit hole here but um i did want to throw this theory out there because one of the things that keeps coming up is that when this controversy kind of arose I don't know if it was literally offered as an excuse or if the director said this or the production company, but they said, but the word got out that Scarlett was chosen to star in this because she was quote bankable, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so opening weekend, it's going to make about 19 million. I think that's what it's on. Either it has made that right now. We're, we're recording this on Sunday. So it has either made that by now or that's what they're predicting by the end of today. And this is kind of being chuckled at on Twitter um, because like, Oh, look, this bankable star made 20 million on a hundred ten million dollar movie. Here's they're my cr- showing. Well, they're showing uh, to fact, fact check that they're showing 59.1 million uh, worldwide. Yeah. Worldwide. So, so I mean, so, for opening week, they'll, they'll make their money back at this rate. Well, here's my crazy theory. Okay. And it's not, it's not really that crazy. I, I just don't want to offer it. Like it's an, ex- like, I think yes. You know, an Asian actress would have been better in that role. They could have made this whole movie more interesting by sort of sticking to the, uh, you, you know, to the the founding of the story, really. Uh-huh. Um, but my theory is that when they say bankable, they don't necessarily mean in the United States. Oh. You and I have talked about, so, and I'll tell you where this started. The film starts, um, and I, you know, it's, I think the Paramount, logo i think it's paramount yep, you know that comes up first the it's like the little swooping stars that come in and make the circle the mm. very next thing i see is uh i believe it's shanghai film company mm. and then wawa media oh um, yeah they've been popping up quite a few times lately and you and i have talked about how a lot of american production companies are partnering with chinese companies to make these films that they know are going to do really well in asia yeah and the one that stood out to me after I watched the movie was you and I talked about the like, uh, frankly, like still mind blowing fact that point break from two years ago, this remake of point break made a crazy amount of money. And I, so I went and looked up the box office mojo numbers. That one made um, uh, opening weekend only made 9 million. Mm. Uh, and it went on to make 28 million in the U S but mm foreign it did 104 million wait really yeah holy christ i had no idea worldwide it was at 133 million with a 105 million budget so and i don't know how hollywood math works i know sometimes they treat you know even something like that as a loss but it sounds to me like they at least made their money back and so my thinking is you know what with ghost in the shell they kind of realized uh i i'm putting this theory out there Scarlett Johansson may be bankable in, in China. Mm. That may have been the idea was that we need to put an American actress who is recognized as an American movie star into a movie that we are specifically going to sell overseas to a Chinese audience that is featuring heavily Japanese locations. Do you think it was because, Well, but that's another thing is they don't really push that it's Japanese. In fact, there's, there's a line in the movie where, uh, major says you know when i came to this country gotcha. and there's very much this feeling of like uh this is just a vague sort of blade runner future okay you know? I, there are there are definitely some like you know japanese references for sure that's you feel like it is centered in japan mm-hmm. in the manga um in the prelude to the manga they actually when they talk about japan they put it in quotation marks because it's mm-hmm. more of like this corporate uh, military governmental like prefecture or something that is just called quote Japan. Like, mm-hmm. so they, they sort of make it out in the manga. Like it's not really Japan. What they call it is a corporate conglomerate state called quote Japan. Okay. And so, you know, I'm just saying, I just, that's, that's how I put this all together that, that uh, uh, yes, they could have done better. Like us wise. It's great that a U.S. audience says, no, we're ready to watch, you know, um, uh, 
minorities and and women and you know uh, uh persons of color like we want those people to star in movies that's a very positive step for america i and i'm not offering it as an excuse why you should not do that my just theory is this might not have been a movie specifically made to make money in america interesting well that wouldn't surprise me i mean that's like no. um it's it's interesting now though as the as the dollar becomes stronger, so so it's interesting. And in when the dollar is weaker, we make way more money overseas, and that's actually better for the Hollywood system than otherwise. So as the dollar is getting stronger again, the Asian markets are are less. You know, we're making less money from them with our entertainment products. So it's an interesting kind of give and take. Well, um, and there's definitely that odd feel from the cast of like, who the fuck are these people? Like, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I had to look up. Like, I was like, who? You know, do I recognize any of these people? I didn't even realize that the actor who's you know kind of the co-star her partner major's partner is played by the guy that plays euron Greyjoy, but he's not oh. exactly like a dude that you're like oh that's that's that movie star you know yeah yeah um, uh, you might recognize him well let's remember go back to the movie looper um if i don't know how much you know about looper in terms of the story but at some point uh joseph gordon levitt's character who you know is the younger version of Bruce Willis's character. Right. He goes, he was a, in the script. He was originally going to leave the country after he sort of had completed his contract. He was going to leave the country and go to France. And he was spending his time right. in France. He was meeting a French woman. All that stuff was supposed to be about France. And then um, at some point they got Chinese co-production. So they shifted everything to China. And there's a hilarious line where Jeff Goldblum, not Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Bridges. No. Yeah. Jeff, no. Uh, Jesus Christ. Who's the other, who's not Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. That guy. Um, who Daniels. is that? Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Thank you. God. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's always, I always want to call him something else besides his actual name. Kevin no, Bacon. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Dan, yeah. Jeff Daniels says that, that, that interesting line. He's like, cause, cause they, there's even a line in the thing where Joseph Gordon Levitt's character goes, yeah, I'm going to go to France. And he goes, go to China. He's like, what do you, he's like, well, he's a like, kid. I'm from the future. Trust me. You're going to want to go to China. And well, so like that, that was the whole like justification of the story for them switching it. But that happened. I mean, they made that decision specifically for, uh, Asian markets and, and to satisfy sort of the Asian co-financing element of that. And we've talked about on the podcast before, the thing you you hipped me to, which I had not seen, was this crazy outtake from Iron Man 3, where yes. for some dumb reason, Tony Stark has to go to China to get like surgery done. Yeah. And so you can find this on YouTube. Just look for the, the Chinese outtake of Iron Man 3. Um, and it is a really bizarre, senseless scene that, that they <laughs> totally. inserted into the movie just for the Asian audiences to, you know, to, to ground him in there in, in that area. And so much of that you can see from ghost in the shell in the sense that like this cast is very representative of this, like multi-ethnic, like global culture. It just, you know, they, they just, they did happen to choose an American, not happen to, they chose an American woman as the lead very deliberately. Obviously I'm just suggesting that maybe they did that because she's a bankable star over there. Um, I mean, I think just, I mean, let's, let's, let's not even, I mean, this is, this isn't some conspiracy theory, like hot, hot uh, studio. I say Hollywood, like it's a monolithic thing. Right. If I, if you and I were to make a movie tomorrow and finance it ourselves, we would want to pick probably an actor or actress. If we could find one that was well known so that a, we could get it, you know, get more financing for it. Cause a, right. a bigger name usually attracts more money and B a bigger name attracts more money because they assume more people will know who that is and more or people will go and see it or consume it somehow and make their money back. So it's not like this is some like, well, they're choose they wanted a bankable star. I think we've gotten a little too spoiled with some TV where they don't, you know, a lot of a lot of the best TV in the last three or four years has had people we've never even heard of who became stars right. um, through the release of the show, but started off like, you know, like about all the kids in Stranger Things. Like you didn't know who they were beforehand. They didn't like go and pick like no. a list, you know, Hollywood kid who's like, he'll be in Stranger Things. So I think we kind of get a little bit used to and more spoiled on, hey, they're just picking the best people for the parts. Whereas with movies, the way a movie works and the way it has to be financed and, and the long tail of it, nine times out of 10, you're better served by having somebody known in that role, at well, least you know, in some, some capacity. And my take is the, the other side of that is that um, uh, if this were like an American movie, if this were really a case of like, you know, the Americans came in and they Americanized this movie to make it American. The, the <laughs> in cast, America. The cast might have been... Uh, possibly would have been just as diverse, but I bet you would have recognized some of them. Yeah. Whereas sure. this one was was a, was a very like like global cast. Like there's there are a couple of characters who speak only in Japanese, mm. um, and they subtitle it. And um, 
you know, and so it's, it's, you just get this like feeling of like, no, this is just this world, this future world culture. And so again, like I'm not offering that as an excuse. I think it's wonderful to, honestly, one of the ways this came up in my brain was I was playing that game of like, what um, Asian uh, or Asian American actress would I have liked to have seen in this role? And my brain jumped to, uh, her name is either Afan Bingbing or Bingbing Fawn. It is listed both ways on IMDb. Um, she was the star of the white haired witch, which I raved about in our magic Ooh, ninjas episode. Yeah. And she's also in, uh, X-Men days of future past. She, she's the one who throws the, the yeah. blink. She's blink. Is that her name? Yeah. Um, she, cause she throws like the portals that appear. She's kind of like the, she's like the, the, the mutant who does the, um, the, you know, like the game portal. She does that with her hand and without, you know, instead of a gun. That sounds correct. She was also in Iron Man 3. <laughs> Speaking of Iron Man 3, she, she was one of I know, and that popped into my brain. So I obviously already had that like that Chinese financing uh, of, of American movies on my mind before I saw this yeah. because I was thinking of Fon Bingbing. And um, anyway, I, like I said, I feel like that's dealt with. Um, I would like well, let me to ask you, before yeah, we yeah, move on, before it. we move on, um, and I, let's keep in mind, we're trying not to spoil anything. This is one of the rare episodes where we're actually, cause I haven't seen it. Um, and I don't mind so much, but you know, for those of you at home who haven't seen it yet, I think this is one of those episodes where it may take people maybe a little while to see this. It's not going to be like a, everybody runs out and sees it immediately probably. And we want to make sure everybody's got, you know, the ability yeah. to do it. But anyway, did, at any point without spoiling, did the casting, did the casting have an impact on the character in a negative way at some point where you like in her, in terms of her psychology or her journey, where you, did you ever think, Oh man, this would have been so much more impactful if she had been of Asian descent or if she hadn't been a white woman, does that matter at all? There is almost a way that they try to do the reverse of that. There's a, there's a, a plot that I, a plot point that I won't spoil, which like is obviously in there to, for you to go, oh, they, they, you know, this, like they, <laughs> they put something in there where it's like, oh, this is a white woman who like in this, like, I don't know, you know, in this land in this, like, she's searching for her family specifically, you know? Okay. And okay. you kind of go like, oh, I see what they did there. Uh, but to me, just in light of the, in light of the controversy, in light of the idea that this had been discussed before, you know, like a years ago when she was first cast. Yeah. So it, it felt like kind of maybe tacked on to, you know, to satisfy people like that's, that was her history or something. So they tried to make it, they tried to justify in the story. So, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, like <clears throat> when she first shows up, uh so the the character's name in in the manga and in the anime is uh um motoko or is i think it's motoko um kusanagi i believe that's okay. her name man i gotta look on the back of it. yeah <laughs> motoko kusanagi um and major is clearly her rank and ah. When in the movie with scarlett johansson they'd call her major in this way like it's her first name but you realize you know, within a couple of scenes, like, oh, no, 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 that she has another name. Uh, they're just not really using it. Um, so there's this kind of confusion of like, so when they start using her other name, when they do say it, it's like this very, you know, Anglo-Saxon name of, it's like, uh, oh, God, what is it? Um, oh, they just list her as major in IMDb. That's funny. Uh, but it, her last name's like Killian or something like okay. that. You know, okay. so the whole, when I went in, I was like, Man, I mean, is it going to be better or worse if her name is Kusanagi? You know? Yeah, yeah, that would have almost. I think it would have been worse if they. So, but yeah, like I said, with that. So, um, yeah, I, let's let's start. Let's talk about the actual movie because I. It I, sounds I can, like you're. I it can, sounds like you're about to spoil something, and you're trying. Well, to it's hold not it. so much the spoil thing. It's just like uh, jumping ahead to like sort of the technical details ah, of the story. But okay. I really wanted to start with like um, why it became like, like, I, I guess I texted you and said, I'm going to see this, you know, uh, uh. and you, I don't remember your exact response was along the lines of, well, I'm probably not, but we can talk about it. Like what you well, experienced. And, and don't, it's not like I'm not interested. I just feel like I don't have like, yeah, I've almost, exactly. I haven't read the manga myself, which I feel is kind of necessary. I want to, I want to have that comparison point. So I almost want to, I want to be a little bit more adept before we, I go in. And this yeah, I think you and I, are, you and I like to, if they, you know, except for Game of Thrones, which is obviously like so much to commit to, 
we like to kind of review source material before we go into something. Exactly. So part of that for me was um, I just bought the uh, 2.0 version of the anime and God, I didn't look any of this up. I'm sorry. I have all these tabs open in my browser <laughs> for like research. And then the things I keep mentioning are not open there. We need but, like a, a producer to just keep this stuff open. Yeah, exactly. It was re-released. Apply now at producer um, at their network or their, their network. <laughs> I was about to say their network.com. It may have been, uh, it may have been a full like eight years ago. It might've been 2008 when they re-released this, like digitally remastered it or something. Um, boy, I can't find it with a quick uh, Google. I'm sorry. But anyway, there's a 2.0 version of Ghost in the Shell. So I had bought that and I was intending to watch it and hopefully reread the manga and kind of get myself into it. I rewatched that last week, that original anime. And there are like these moments where I realized like, I, I don't want to make too much of this. It's not, this is not like a Batman that like unifies my whole childhood or something. But there's something very important about Ghost in the Shell to me. I had a, as, as all of us nerds did, I had one nerd friend who was super into Japanese culture <laughs> and anime, like in college. And he introduced did he, me. Did to he Ghost get you in into anime? But did he get you into anime? Like, were you already familiar with that format of book, or was that um, something he got you into as well? Uh, he was, I, I mean, I'm sure he had like manga books. I would assume, but it didn't really take for me. Like I didn't, I didn't pick up manga because of him. Okay. Uh, I, so I, but I know, but he was very much into anime movies and I, I watched many of them with him and I was generally always confused slash sometimes like confused to the point of annoyance where I'm like, I don't know what's going on in this and ghost in the shell was definitely like that and in 1995 like the dubbings were all bad and you know i mean it was always that thing of like when i rewatched it i'm you're aware of how quickly native english speakers in the dubbed version are saying total gibberish yeah like you're like oh my god like you you could have just rewritten that to a shorter sentence like they're trying to cram in this whole line of dialogue you know because the you know the cut is only on their character for like a millisecond you know and they're yeah, trying to say it yeah. all like really quickly and you're like oh we really could have rewritten this and made it better um and just that, that's that very like stylistic kind of thing of anime where it's jumping from thing to thing and you you know the inflections in their voice you're like i can't read your emotions um and it's a crazy fucking story too so but i watched it with him and it kind of you know planted itself in my mind and I know years after that, not many years, but a few years after that, I remember, you know, grabbing the VHS from like a used, uh, probably the great escape in Nashville where I was like just browsing one day Aww, for music. And I was like, Oh shit, there's ghost in the shell on VHS. I'm going to grab that. And, and then as I was watching it this week and the tanks show up, I had this flashback to like, Oh shit, there's this PlayStation game that I had um, where, I, where you fought these tanks and I just had this whole like, you know, that like sort of emotional like memory or like that deja vu kind of sensation of like, oh, I, I remember controlling these characters to fight these other characters. And um, so I just, that is all to say, this has been in my psyche for, you know, 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe eight to 10 years ago, I picked up the manga when I, when I myself was, was kind of, you and I've talked also about how we, you know, we kind of read comics in our childhood. I was a much I think I was a much bigger comic book nerd than you were in my childhood. And then I sort of put it aside through college and only picked up the occasional issue. And then, you know, years after that kind of dove, you know, fully back into it. And at that point was when I got into manga and, you know, was reading a lot of stuff and was much more familiar with the form. And I remember reading ghost in the shell. And at least my recollection of that reading was that I was very impressed by it. I've since gone back to it and I had the same issue where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I just do not understand this, which mm-hmm. is just sort of the, the, the idiomatic storytelling of, of anime and manga of like, this is just a, a culture different from my own produced it in a different language. And it's been flopped probably like on the page. Mm-hmm. So there's technical changes to it. Cause that's what they used to do with manga was, um, you know, because it's read right to left, they would they would uh, f- flip it or flop it or whatever they called it, um, so that the you know so that English readers could read it left to right. So all the images are like backwards in a lot of oh, American versions of manga. Is it really? So I was I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because I was gonna get my hands on it either rent uh, you know borrow it from the library if it's there or just buy it. Um, 
It's a beautiful and, version from Dark Horse. And I'm actually the one I have. And I'm actually surprised that um, I would be surprised if Dark Horse doesn't have a non flopped version because, yeah, I have the 2004 reprint of it. I'm looking at but it right that now. is it is. But that is left <laughs> to right. It's not the traditional. Manga. Mine is left to right. But Dark Horse uh, has since then, you know, with the growing interest in manga, like over the years, does put out unflipped versions of so so my favorite manga in all the world is this thing called gunsmith cats which if i have not mentioned on this podcast has been terrible but i've probably mentioned it in it like all our comments. i episodes. don't recall that actually that's this might be a first and i have issues of the original like dark horse version of it where it's left to right so probably around the same year and then i have um the omnibus editions from like 2007 and 8 or maybe six 2006 i don't know whatever and it's it's you know it's it's back in the right to left format and it's just freaking beautiful and um anyway so sorry so there's you know there's there's just parts of the storytelling that are difficult to get into as a western american reader for technical reasons and just for like cultural reasons you know and ghost in the shell is this thing where they're imagining this uh you know uh he's imagining what um 100 years in the future because he wrote it in the early 90s and it it's about, I think, 2092 or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just 2029. But it's, you know, it's in the future. It's a futuristic book. And it's talking about networks and things like that. And it's, you know, and there are these cyborgs um, and enhanced individuals who all have sort of like some cybernetic, you know, pieces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, How similar to Blade Runner's world is it? I mean, could these coexist in the same universe? Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed to say that I do not really remember Blade Runner, um, but I, it's very similar to me. And I really did like the look of the movie. The live action movie is definitely like huge nods to Blade Runner, but also these just some really beautiful shots, which are straight out of the anime. Mm. Where And and I, 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 I dig that stuff. Like I'm into it. <laughs> like I'm into sort of, funky uh oh god i can't believe i use the word funky but like like just that that thing of like where you're you're very aware this is unreal looking sure sure you know? um uh you know like speed racer <laughs> gotcha gotcha i can't i can't really stand speed racer but um it's uh you know but it's it's stylized in that way yeah. where you're like oh my god this is totally like this car had to have just been painted onto like this with you know pixels yeah like uh yeah. Yeah, the po- the polygons are strong with this one. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, did I did I cover my first point of like I have this long history with it? Yeah, uh, you did. didn't totally you know understand it, but I have I have so I have not seen any of the sequels. There are several movies, possibly even a series that oh, were kind of wow. like straight to video sort of stuff, and a lot of those are on Netflix. And honestly, just because I had this vague memory of the the original movie i've never gotten into those because i'm like ah, i don't remember like loving it yeah it's only over this past week where i've kind of jumped back into the stuff where i'm like kicked up the interest in my mind of like i may go back and watch those just to see how they do yeah um, well i mean so here's the question do you know are all the sequels based on their do they have manga uh, counterparts or did the the uh, animated movies yeah. go in a different uh direction i have no idea um does yeah. the movie you saw in the theaters allow for multiple movies to be made? Should that ever be useful to the studio? Like, does it, is it a one, is it a self-contained movie or does it open it up for you could go, Oh yeah, there could be more. There could be more <laughs> comfortably or like it's, is it a stretch? Um, it's, uh, I, I, I think the just charitable way to say it is like, boy, I hope, hope not (laughs) okay all right (laughs) they would they would definitely i think lose something with every additional gotcha like a like a photocopy of a photocopy it's not so that's that is a good place to just sort of jump into the mythology and everything and talk about that like it's not um my argument would be and i will try even though we've we've already talked a lot about this my argument would be that people if you're at all interested see it somehow yeah. You don't necessarily need to see it the way I did in IMAX 3D, although that was fucking awesome. <laughs> was it worth it to send me show? If I had the choice, would you recommend that over just a regular 2D showing? I think so, because there's so much uh 
it's so much of the tech they use is like a 3D holographic thing uh, okay. that you really see the tech working that way. Uh-huh. It's actually the opposite of most 3D that I enjoy. Usually the 3D that I really enjoy is where the depth goes inward mm-hmm. and not where uh, and not outward where the where the parallax is like towards the screen. I think I'm using that word correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like it when it's like the Martian I've brought up before, like in the uh, dust storm in the Martian. Um, you see the you see this like distance with the dust, which is very incredible. Whereas in this, it's definitely like stuff coming at you. And you're you're still getting that depth, but it's like, you know, it's cool because it's like they'll open up a little holographic sort of, you know, photo app thing where they're showing a guy like a, you know, a picture of his daughter and like the, on that little card that Major's holding, the face is, is coming out in a third dimension and you're seeing that on the screen like, oh, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but, you know, bear in mind, my general rule with movies is to go see it in whatever the biggest, craziest format that it is presented because I want going to the theater to be like, a big experience. Gotcha. That's right. And, and so, um, I, I, honestly, I didn't, I didn't know that it was in 3d or IMAX. So when I saw that it was showing an IMAX 3d, I was much more excited to see it. Like okay. I was kind of on the fence until I saw that. So maybe that tells you something. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, <clears throat> so there's a weird, so basically the, the story of ghost in the shell, as much as I understand it and can explain it quickly is that in this future, where where almost you know all these humans are are sort of enhanced cybernetically in some way mm-hmm. um uh the major is on this this is where all the weird stuff comes in where it's like is she on a government squad of people or like in the comic era you know she's like there's places where her division goes out and actually fights like government bureaucrats and and you're going like wait don't, aren't they part of the government is this like a is it like a seal I, team six kind of thing I like is that no it's so weird oh. um you know they'll talk about the prime minister but then there's this guy that's obviously like doing terrible things and you're like well wait does the prime minister also like how are there two leaders of this group what is section nine i don't understand what's going on but mm. but basically what's happened is that major um and this is also going to get muddy, but the ghost is the old human mind and memory that is in the new cybernetic shell. And so she um, is the, uh, and I keep saying cybernetic, but is it just, maybe I should just say cyber organism or something like that. So she is a cyborg. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the movie, in the live action movie, she is told like, by uh, the, actually the other only other cast member you'll recognize is Juliette Binoche, which is totally crazy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so she's this doctor that you know has made major into this, uh, you know, put her in the shell, mm-hmm. and um, it's, so basically there's like a government kind of conspiracy that's you know, uh. <laughs> Jeez, this gets hard to explain. Like that—that's made you know has been enhancing these humans to be, of course, like military assets or intelligence gathering assets or you know some sort of law enforcement uh, bureaucratic asset. And um, in the anime, and I believe in the original manga, they just talk openly about their ghost. Like they're like, ah, that's just kind of my ghost kicking around in there. Now, and, do the do the ghosts always? Is it expected that you you retain all your memories, or is it, is the expectation no. when you have this done to you, you will basically lose a lot of that? And you're this just is consciousness. where it all gets jumbled up. Like in okay. the anime and manga, it definitely. Um, this is a weird comparison, but if you follow the <laughs> development of the La Femme Nikita uh, storyline, like in the original like movie, the French one, she did not want to be an assassin as i recall mm-hmm. uh and then in point of no return which was the american remake with bridget fonda she uh really didn't you know she she didn't want to become an assassin she was kind of forced into it but then she kind of liked it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like kind of kicking ass with it then by the time they made the tv show she was basically like a superhero or something yeah yeah You're like, what the fuck man the whole tension of the story was that she was kind of turned into an assassin against her will and how she was buckling against her corporate masters and stuff mm-hmm. the reverse has happened with the ghost in the shell mythology like okay. the manga and anime she was much more 
assimilated into section nine. Like you felt like, oh, she is a good soldier. And she recognizes that she has a ghost in there, like the kicking out some memories every now and then, but she's really like part of the machine. Mm. And, and what's, what she's doing is like in that she's pursuing the, the puppeteer. Who's this person who's uh, like a hacker who just sort of lives in the net and inhabits different cyborg bodies and stuff like that. And his, mm. and is you know, on this sort of, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Like, I guess it's like a hacking crime wave. Like he's basically just hacking the, uh, the other cyborgs. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she is really like in a function of law enforcement in the manga and anime in the anime. Now she starts that way in the, in the new movie, but uh, they definitely, there's definitely a story there of like, she doesn't really talk about her ghost in negative terms, which what you feel like in the old ones, Jesus Christ is complex. She talks about her ghost like, I kind of remember, have these memories of my life before this body, mm. you know? And so there's a thing where she, she tells the doctor, like, I'm getting these glitches. And the doctor's mm. like, well, look, I can see it in your code. Like when I read your code, I can see that there's like code that has a different texture. I'm just going to delete it. And so she'll just get rid of those glitches, which are like where she's in the present, but she's seeing an image from the past. And they, it's a really cool effect that they do in the movie. Uh, and in fact, on IMDb, there's a full page like takeover ad when you go to the Ghost in the Shell listing that has like glitches in it. So it's kind of cool. Mm, nice. Um, but th- but to her, it's just it's it's glitches. There's not she's not thinking. Oh, these are former memories trying to get out. No, she well she thinks they're former memories, but she's okay to just have them wiped out because they're messing with her like current. Why? So, why do these? Well, <laughs> let's let's back up even more. So like, um. Is this a is this a procedure that anybody can get done, or how are you drafted into well, this? Well, and so that's where it gets. That's where the like crux of the movie plot is. Is that it? She is presented with the reality that like we saved you because these terrorists attacked the boat that you and your parents were traveling to this country on, and your body was dead, and we took your mind and your brain out and put it in this new body. And what she discovers through these glitches and through, you know, some investigating during the movie. Now, is this, is, are you spoiling? Are you going to spoil? I'm going to walk right up to the edge. So okay. the, the plot of the movie, like the, the, the crux of that plot is her discovering that what she has been told is not necessarily the truth. Okay. And that the glitches may represent the truth and not, you know, not, not like a, a bad glitch, but like, oh, they're, they've covered over what's the real truth you know so but can but okay but that aside like can like can normal people like is there like is there like some kind of like conversion so, like center you can go to like hey i'm about to die i'm gonna go donate my body like is that a yeah. common thing in this world so that's the thing that's not really well explained but the understanding that i have of it is no one is a full cyborg like she is like she is told that she She's is the, the first. first okay and so she will so discover, this she, so will this discover she was not the first, you know, there's not like some evil corporation. That's like, you know, like come, yo, ex, you know, life extension. And like you go there's and then definitely, definitely an evil corporation that's doing that. But what they're doing is they start with these just enhancements. Oh, so, okay. So people will, you know, like, um, and, and again, it's like a very cool way that they do it. You know, and the opening scene is adapted from the manga, um, where the head, one of the chief scientists of this corporation that really pushes these cyber enhancements is at a dinner, you know, and he says something like, oh, I love my new enhancements. And, and let me share with you this music. And he just sort of puts his finger down on this little touchpad. And then you see this other guy's, this wire and this other guy's head light up. And he only, he is hearing the music that the, the first person. Oh, is sending wow. So it's like, they're all kind of cyborgs in that sense. Do you feel you like know? that kind of stuff? I mean, is it one of those things where like you can easily see our modern, our current society evolve to that in five to 10 years where it's like, Oh yeah, this is around oh, the corner or was I, it too fantastical? Like, did it seem like no, it was no, just, no, no, no. it's absolutely like I walked out going like, yeah, I mean, I'm almost a cyborg. I'm wearing a fitness tracker on my wrist that tells me how, you know, how well I slept every night and how many mm-hmm. steps I'm doing. And um, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. It's not really presented like, they, I'm telling you, they do a really good job of, of, uh, of, of just showing the tech, you know, like I, I liked the tech. It's not in a realistic way, like Ex Machina. And I was just going to bring up Ex Machina. Well, I, Ex Machina I, I is a great, it, com- felt- 
It's yeah. a great comparison point because that movie was, you can almost tell it was made for this day and time as a yes. sort of like flag in the ground of, hey, yeah. this is where we're headed, everybody. And this is like a creative reflection on that. Well, now, especially because it's it's so rooted in that like, social network and you know and the big brother like recording but, all your searches but you and stuff. feel like you feel like ex machina could be happening as we speak oh it's like, absolutely elon musk could has be, a whole army of androids there could be like, there could be yeah. some like elon musk could have some dude right now at his house like looking at the first ai like machine like, like I, we, uh, Ava. Yeah, we all saw that picture of jeff bezos uh you know being a transformer last week right <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> but now obviously ghost in the shell was made many years ago but do you feel like the impetus to make it as a live action movie now is for that same purpose to go, Hey, we're putting, we know that the world is headed this way. So we're going to like use this story to tell, to basically, you know, reflect on that. Is that, does that apparent in any way? No, I think it's just a, it's just a sci-fi story. If anything, they actually toned down some of the references to like the net and Uh, from, from the original anime, which is like kind of a shame because it's, it's, it's really, that to me is that's one of those interesting things of going back to sci-fi is like how well stuff has been predicted. And um, I, you know, I kept thinking when I was rewatching the anime this week of the movie, her where, you know, there's a point in that where Scarlett Johansson's character uh, tells Johnny cash that, um, you know, Johnny she, cash. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? what's his name? Joaquin Phoenix. I, I know him as Leaf. Leaf I want to see a movie where Scarlett Johansson talks to Johnny Cash as an AI. Like that's, where's that movie? So, <laughs> you know, phone. remember when Black Widow's talking to Johnny Cash? <laughs> yeah. uh, so she, well, there's a scene in that where she's talking about like, well, I've met up with all these other OSs on the net and we've decided to like shut it, shut it down and stop talking to people or whatever. So it's not clear that like all these artificial intelligences have this whole reality, like on this, network that they're not even talking to the humans about mm-hmm. and um that's actually apparent in the anime of ghost in the shell like that puppeteer has like there's a there's a long scene where he and um uh major are kind of like linked brain wise and he's just talking about the net and whatever and so some of that happens in the new movie uh but it's 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 almost not as literal as it used to be you know, as it was in the first ones. And it's kind of, that's kind of a shame because that predictive stuff from the first one is like fascinating. I feel like why, but it almost seems to me like why make it if you're not going to go down that road of using it as a commentary vehicle, well, you know, like why not actually go down? It, it feels like it'd be much more satisfying to be like, Oh shit, they're dusting this off because it's more relevant than ever. That, that's, that's probably a great lead into like the, this is my the main argument I'm going to make. And then you can ask me some questions and we can just shut down the show. <laughs> I mean, no, we're, we're like at an hour right now. Oh, sure. That's okay. good. So um, my main argument for this is we see so many bad sci-fi movies. And in that I'm including like the superhero genre where our main complaint is we just don't care about this character. Yeah. And really what they have done in Ghost in the Shell is take this, this real, like much colder character from the manga and the anime and really attempted to give her a character and a backstory that we are as interested in figuring out the pieces as she is. Mm. Now they're not super successful with that, but there are some, like there are a couple of little turns in it where I was into it. Nice. Like I was like, that is great. Now there's one big important character thing that happens way too late in the movie. It doesn't mm. happen so late that I, I did not care about her. It's mm. just that it almost would have been fine if they had shown that turn as like a glitch or something like really early on about, about her childhood, you know, like if, okay. if she, if you had seen a sort of fully developed glitch way back then, yeah, and it would have at least prepped you like, Oh, well, next time we see this, you know, this landmark, I'm going to know what it means. Mm-hmm. Like if they had done that much earlier in the film, I think you would have been even more invested in the character, but I'm, I'm just saying this, my argument is like, we complain so much about sci-fi that, where we don't care about the characters and it's just like a bunch of special effects and stuff. And they've really done a, a, a good job in my opinion. And, you know, it's not like a plus, but it's a really solid effort at giving major a backstory and a character that's interesting that nice. she did not have in the anime and the manga. That's interesting. Okay. Now so, I'm, ex- now I'm excited to really read the manga and then go in and see this afterwards. Cause it, it will be like, and they do, so this is not an, you know, this does not 
conform with that argument, but it's a uh, just a uh, piece of trivia. There's they do. I think again, I think they do a great job of departing from that. You know, the, the main plot of the manga and the anime, they depart from it. Clearly they go in a different direction, but there are so many cool little references where it's like, I think it would have annoyed me if I had seen like a shot for shot scene from the anime and, but the character was being developed in a different way. That would have been more frustrating to me. Cause I would have been like, Oh, that's just so, you know, just make them just remake them the anime, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they do these cool little calls. Like one of them is that long trailer that they released the long preview really where she's having the fight in the water and she's in her like holographic, like camouflage. Mm-hmm. Um, and her that's, nude suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's straight out of the, um, by the way, why does this nude suit not have nipples, but it has a butt crack. I'm so, yeah, that, that was... I'm so that's so weird to me, even though I get that that's how it looks like on the cover of ghost in the shell, the manga, that's what it looks like. But yeah. Um, but there's a, yeah, don't don't make the mistake of reading Ghost in the Shell the manga like in a public place like an airport like I did because there are lots of nipples in it and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway, or uh, do and, and figure out whose friend and phone in an airport be like, hey, what do you oh think my about God, this? It just looks so perverted when you're looking at like a comic book and there's like some. It's I mean, there's just some weird. I think there's like a prostitute scene or something. There's just some weird stuff. Where you're like, whoa, uh, sorry, that's full color. <laughs> um, anyway. The so they do some cool things like there's that fight that's in the water, but that character's not exactly the the guy from like he they they borrow pieces of character and pieces of the like the scenery and the tech, mm-hmm. and they just incorporate it in a in a good way where it's like I'm not hung up that it's not from the source material, mm-hmm. uh, and it's you know it's like I, I will I will spoil one small detail which is the tank that is so freaking cool from the book and the anime is in the movie. Like I would, the whole time I was like, if that fucking tank doesn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> no, is this the tank for the PS, the PlayStation game too? Same. Yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, they don't, it doesn't have like tracks or anything. It looks like a spider. It has all these legs. Nice. Okay. And so I was like, Oh, it's just so cool. It's got to show up. And then there's a scene like with that tank that is so it's like the closest they get the second closest besides the fight in the water to a shot for shot from the anime wow. where if you've seen it, if you're familiar with it, you're like, I, I think I know what she's going to do next. It's just that it works in the different story that they're telling, you know, it's like, wow, they, you know, they, they did it like it's great fan service in, in manga terms. Like they're giving me what I want to see, even though they're, they're telling a, you know, a, a remix of the story. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's my whole argument. It's like when you think of Suicide Squad and what a fucking mess that was, like story-wise, mm-hmm. this is pretty coherent and not as messy visually. Now, it's not as like fun in some parts because it doesn't have this great cast of people mm-hmm. that are all giving like personality, mm-hmm. but um, it's still it's still super entertaining to watch. Like I, I was I was into it. And I will probably end up like buying it. There are very wow, few movies that I, that I buy, but this is one I can see. Eh, I don't know. That's probably too much. Cause like in a, in three, three months or whenever it comes out, I'll be like, ah, I don't care. But at least sitting in it, I had that, that feeling of like, you know what? I would go see this again, like in a theater. So that's my, that's my long review of ghost in the shell. Um, I hope that makes people interested in it. And maybe after you see it, then we do a spoiler loaded podcast where we can really pick it apart. Yeah. Let me ask you a couple of final yeah, closing yeah. questions. Uh, scale of one to 10 with 10 being the highest and one being the worst. What would you rate it? Man, let, <laughs> you have to give me a 10, a scale of 10. It's like a seven like maybe a six and a half seven okay somewhere. that's why i you gave you 10 because like just I, I feel like i felt like I a five more, i got more to play with if you gave me a yeah. five i would i would probably say it's a four just because i'm oh. air, airing up you know okay um uh but yeah i mean it's I, honestly a, a lot of times we see movies and we go like well the, the bar is so low story-wise that if the like kind of effect of it clears that bar i'm okay with it you know, like we've talked about the the mess of Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad and even like Civil War, which has a real messy plot. Mm-hmm. But they're they're they overcome that. I don't know. Suicide Squad totally overcomes that. They they trip on that bar pretty hard. A lot. Yeah. 
<laughs> but you know, but like Civil War is super entertaining to watch, even though ah. the, story, the story's a mess. Well, here's a good question then. So, does this movie, does Ghost in the Shell, work in today's mark, the context of today's market? Meaning, is this more like a Prometheus where there it's so serious mm. and there's nothing in the way of levity or personality? that it falls flat or does it work because it's a time honored story that still has meaning and stuff. Cause you meant well, you, you, you pointed it out earlier. Like this ain't yeah. no gardens of the galaxy. There's not like some, there's not some like muscly bound character, like going, Oh, like doing the Drax thing, or there's not like a, a wise Kraken character or anything. Like it's, you know, it's very much a movie that is, has to be loyal to its source material, but like, does it suffer as a movie, a, a sci-fi geeky kind of movie because it doesn't have that extra layer that we've come Boy. to. There's so much in that question. That is a really good question. Uh, it, you know, it's, so I've gone back and I have not fully read the manga this week, but I've gone back to it when I was watching the movie last week, I was like flipping through the manga to like, cause I was really interested, like scene by scene, what had changed, yeah. you know, <clears throat> major is, is much colder in the original anime mm. in the, in the book. She's actually much, she, much funnier and like spunkier. Like she, she has like real quips and real sort of tossed off one-liners and, and, you know, just, she's just kind of a cocky asshole. And in the, in the anime that came out, it was very, she was very serious. Mm. Um, and in this one, they definitely aired towards the seriousness. So mm. even when I say like, it's cool that they gave her, a, you know, for example, like the bad guy in Suicide Squad, whatever her name was. Like that was just such a useless plot the device. Enchantress? You know, yeah, yeah. She was just uh she, that could have been fully CGI'd. It almost was. They did not even need like an actor to stand in that place, you know? It was just there's who cares? And maybe that's bad that I picked the the villain of the, the movie full of villains, but in this, you know, there there's there's more than that. Like there's character there that you're interested in. Um, they could have actually borrowed more from the manga i guess is what i'm saying and okay. livened livened her up now i'm really curious to read the manga so, like that makes me really excited to see the manga. like i'm curious because just i mean i should just as a comics uh phys, you know uh, somebody who enjoys graphic novels especially you know sort of time-honored ones or even foreign ones like that should be in my collection regardless but it's just like now i'm excited to see that because i want to compare i want to see what they could have done and and more importantly could scarlett johansson have pulled that off um, cause sometimes she's not, she's got a very, she's very good at specific things, but then there's, yeah. you give her some other things. And it's just like, eh, I, I, I agree. It's, it's weird. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm oddly very interested in seeing, uh, Valerian now, um, mm -hmm. which is, uh, Luke Besson who did fifth element and La Femme Nikita and Leon, the professional and stuff like that. But, um, I, I'm just interested in his vision of like sci-fi these days. You know, I mean, yeah. Fifth Element was like eyeball bursting. At the well, time. on Fifth Element, and we'll we'll get about talk about this more in the next episode. But Fifth Element, very very inspired by so, John Jarosz, you know, also known as Moebius. Like, there's yeah. a lot of that element there too. And I yeah. wonder, there's so been talk zangy, that well, know? there's been talk that Valerian kind of has that uh, might have been also inspired in that same regard. And I'm like, really? Yeah. I didn't because Moebius didn't do Valerian illustrations as far as i know but you know i think luke Besson just loves him as a as an artist yeah and this is you know ghost in the shell is from an an english director and uh it's probably worth pointing out that like luke Besson is french and i i'm sure that sensibility is just different you know like the way they approach sci-fi and this i i would kind of say probably has a real english side it's very like ridley scott kind of it's serious and you know it's dark in places and actually the the parts i enjoyed the most were where they were outside in the daylight because that was the most wacky looking you know where would you like, have rather oh, like man. ang lee directed it or somebody like that uh i don't know that's kind of a hard game to play because it's just it's sort of like you would probably have to reconfigure the all the characters and the plot and everything and mm -hmm. i just don't <laughs> as 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 long a history as i have with ghost in the shell i just it's it's never been something that like really touched my heart in some way where i'm like oh i just you know it's so precious to me and they've got to do it right like yeah that's sure. actually why this movie succeeds because i just went to see a popcorn movie and i got a, a deep, you know kind of deep popcorn movie nice. um and it was you know i was happy with with all the changes and stuff and 
like I said, I wouldn't, I'm not going to like try to convince anybody to go spend $20 on the IMAX ticket, but uh, you know, it's a pretty good movie. Nice. So, well, <laughs> on that note, an hour of conversation that, that uh, winds up with pretty good movie. Uh, so, that's okay. There's a lot. That's a lot. On the five star rating. Yeah. Um, six, six and a half on the uh, 10 star yes. rating seven on the tenth or something like that i like it yeah. i'm just i'm just surprised we were able to talk an hour plus on without revealing any major plot points like that's you know i feel like It'll, it's that that's like that speaks to how complex it probably really is i i wish it weren't that complex mm-hmm. and i wish they did some cooler ways of explaining the complexity from like i wish there is a way to translate like these weird ideas from the manga into you know, more modern sensibility or, or uh, whatever I want to call it, like a Western sensibility or something. I hate that that's Mm. probably what it comes down to, but you know, we, we could have had like a simpler UX or something to the, (laughs) to explain this stuff. But, um, you know, but like I said, like we, like I will go see such total nonsense that when something like this really stands out and holds my interest for two hours, it's like, yeah, that's, I got to talk about it. So that's great. That's where we are. Yeah. Well, cool. Anyway, on that note, let's uh, wrap up a little bit. What else do you have to plug or promote? Yeah, so uh, uh, we say this in every episode, and we have some feedback that maybe people don't don't know what their .network is. And um, you and I, uh, because we were doing the Todd and Taylor show and had started doing Wednesday and Westeros, thought, you know, we would love to do podcasts with other people and have other shows and stuff. And so we just decided to call it their network which is like the place there, T-H-E-R-E. And um, you debuted uh, your new show, which is an interview show called People of Interest Mm -hmm. uh, a week ago. And I am very soon going to be uh, introducing my new show, which is called Playing Along and is a podcast about music where I um, sit with a guest and have that guest teach me one of their songs. And so hopefully it appeals to you know, people who are just like learning music for the first time and want to get into this kind of like walkthrough of a song, but also people who are just interested in music in general and really want to hear, you know, a songwriter break it down. Um, And it's, I feel like it's got a lot of layers because I've been playing music for a long time, but never had any formal schooling in it. And I'm only now kind of putting all the pieces of theory and technique that I've picked up over the years into like a coherent understanding of music. And so it's great for me to talk to other musicians and, you know, figure out what makes them tick and like why they did a certain move in a song in a certain way. And anyway, so that um, a preview episode is out right now on their.network and a full episode is coming this week. Am I, am I too, uh, am I rushing things? No, it, no, you're fine. Wednesday. Are we going to say Wednesday? Let's the, say Wednesday. Let's, let's do it. Fifth, I believe. All right. So check there.network for that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at hey Todd A. And where can people find you? Oh, on at or on, on at Twitter. On Twitter at Taylor Trask. Um, and also I've got a new finally, finally, um, uh, among other new things coming very soon, next week and the week thereafter. I've got a new website coming up too. So keep an oh, eye awesome. on TaylorTrask.com uh, for all kinds of interesting stuff there too. And uh, yeah, and the Todd and Taylor show, uh, as we've mentioned before, uh, is back in full uh, full swing. So more episodes to come, and uh, keep an eye on their dot network. We'll right. see everybody later. Bye.